Hi, and welcome to Halfwit History. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Kylie. And this is a show where we talk about the upcoming week, but a long time ago. And sometimes not so long ago. Yeah. Do we have any updates? I don't think so. Me neither. Alrighty then, let's uh, dive into it then. Yeah. This is um, going to be a big one. It's a little bit of a doozy. Um, so in light of everything that's happening in our country right now, it seems like a good time for us to address a topic from the civil rights movement. We've realized that uh, while we've been trying to spread topics out across the world, we've kind of neglected to make sure that we included diverse topics from right here at home. Unfortunately, um, I don't think there's going to be a lot of room for jokes on this particular topic. <laughs> I might not make any noise after this point. Yeah. So I am the least qualified to talk about any of this, but... As will, a white male, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I will also be trying to keep my uh, topic for next week relevant, so yeah. bear with us. We know we're not the right people to talk about it, but... Yeah. Um, so... Right, so like there probably won't be any funny stuff, um, but I think it's more important for us to use our platform, um, as small as it might be, to help bring to light those who have been silenced. So this week, I'm going to talk about Bloody Tuesday, and I'm willing to bet a lot of our listeners, and probably you, Jonathan, don't know about it at all, or if you do, you don't know very much about it. No, a little bit. Um, Not enough. Okay. Um, and I'll admit that I didn't really know anything about it until I started looking for civil rights events for this week. And uh, shout out to Megan, one of my friends, who um, actually brought it up for me in the first place. So, now some of you may know about Bloody Sunday. No, not the one in Ireland. Um, this and not the one from Pokemon. And not the one from Pokemon. <laughs> There's a Bloody Sunday in Pokemon? We thought we were going to not do jokes. Uh, this will be the last one, but... There was a time in Pokemon, the Twitch Plays Pokemon thing that we talked uh-huh. about from that last uh, Door of the Unknown episode, uh-huh. where there was a Sunday where we released almost every Pokemon we caught up in the entire time of Twitch Plays Pokemon, and they called that one Bloody Sunday as well. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, <clears throat> yikes. <clears throat> Poor Pokemon. <laughs> okay. Um So this particular Bloody Sunday occurred during the marches from Selma to Montgomery in 1965. Bloody Tuesday, in a way, was a precursor to this event. But while the Selma marches and consequently Bloody Monday were well publicized by reporters and journalists, Bloody Tuesday received almost no media coverage as there were pretty much no journalists there to to capture the events as they unfolded. Um, As I'm sure most of you know, there were lots of protests and demonstrations throughout the 1960s in the South demanding civil rights for black Americans. And I'm also sure a lot of our listeners will recognize the name Martin Luther King Jr., who was fundamental in organizing these demonstrations, especially in Alabama. So while King became a figurehead for the civil rights movement, there were a number of, um, I put the word deputies because I wasn't really sure how to coin the term, Uh, delegates maybe could be another word. Um, But they helped organize protests, marches, and demonstrations across their states. The march on June 9th of 1964 was one such event, um, and it was organized by the Reverend T.Y. Rogers, who was installed by King to lead the civil rights activities in Tuscaloosa. The purpose of this march was to protest against the segregated drinking fountains and restrooms in the county courthouse, as part of a small step that groups of African-Americans were taking across the state of Alabama to promote desegregation in public accommodations. During the rebuilding of the new courthouse um, in the prior year, there were claims made 
and potential promises that it would be completely integrated. However, as I'm sure you all can imagine, that didn't happen. Um, African Americans arrived at the dedication ceremony for the new building on April 12th, 1964, only to find that there were still restrooms and drinking fountains with signs up indicating separate facilities for blacks. Not willing to let this go unchallenged, the Tuscaloosa Citizens for Action Committee began meeting with the county commission in an attempt to receive their original promise of an integrated courthouse and a guarantee that the signs would all be removed. These requests, unfortunately, were all denied, and there wasn't really anything the committee could do about it. Well, they didn't let that stop them, um, as is pretty much the case for everything that happened during the Civil Rights Movement. So they began meeting weekly to brainstorm ways that they could solve this problem. So every Monday night mass, meetings were held by Reverend T.Y. Rogers at the First African Baptist Church, where they planned to march to protest against these segregated facilities. They requested permission to march, which police chiefs Chief William Marable declined, which, uh, surprise, surprise there. Um, But they were determined to make their voices heard anyway, even at the risk of being arrested, or worse, as we'll see soon. So the night before the march, a group of the protesters gathered in the First African Baptist Church for one last speech by the Reverend. Rogers, for his part, was an optimistic and determined leader who was able to stir interest in the march and get people of all ages involved. During their last meeting, the reverend gave instructions and orders for the morning, explaining how the march would hopefully play out. He implied that there should be absolutely no reason to stop marching, even if someone fell. He explained that if they wanted to make a difference, their time to act needed to be now. And there really wasn't a whole lot of room um, to stop, essentially. The audience left the church that night, presumably invigorated and determined, and prepared to come back the next morning with the possibility of being arrested since the police had denied their permit. On June 9th, 1964, at around 9 a.m., over 500 people gathered at the First African Baptist Church to march. The protesters organized within the church and then stepped out, led by Reverend Rogers and other um, Tuscaloosa committee leaders, and were met by Tuscaloosa, Tuscaloosa police and also their white neighbors, who were all ready to make the, uh, many of whom were armed with clubs, sticks, or cattle prods, and there were paddy wagons all ready to take the protesters to jail. So right from the get-go, peaceful and unarmed protesters were immediately confronted with angry and armed police and other citizens. The implication here is that those people were never going to let this protest be peaceful. After Rogers stepped out of the church, he was confronted by the chief of police and asked if he still planned to march, Rogers answered affirmatively, and then he and the other Tuscaloosa committee leaders were subsequently arrested. They never even got the chance to do the thing that they were arrested for. They literally stepped out of the church, were asked if they planned to, and immediately arrested. The remaining protesters, however, pressed on, heeding Rogers' words from the night before. They gathered in lines of two by two out of the church, intent to do what they had come here to do. The marchers got less than 50 feet before chaos erupted. The police became violent towards the peaceful marchers, having waited outside the church with billy clubs all ready to charge. The protesters were beaten by police and pushed back inside the church, where police then fired tear gas through the windows. On top of the police brutality, the angry mob of white residents charged the the group as well, using billy clubs, baseball bats, cattle prods, fire hoses, and other makeshift weapons. There were a total of 94 arrests that were made by police, 
and 33 men, women, and children were hospitalized by the incident, many of them with pretty severe injuries. The number of injured civilians was close to the number uh, that occurred during the Bloody Sunday the following year. So this event is pretty comparable to the more well-known one. So despite the fact that there was no media coverage and the protesters barely even got to march, there was still some positive change that came out of Bloody Tuesday. Later in June, Rogers and his committee of protesters were still set on removing the signs indicating segregation in the courthouse. So Rogers took city officials to court on the issue in order to attempt to get the signs taken down. On June 25th, 1964, the county was ordered by federal judge Seaborn Lynn to get rid of the discriminatory signs. And in less than a week, they were gone. Part of the reason that Bloody Tuesday isn't better known is because of the police. The police in Tuscaloosa retained very few of the documents relating to this march and the resulting arrests. The local newspapers that reported on the event didn't seem to include much on the, of the violence in their first day accounts. And the Tuscaloosa News, it was claimed that the protesters threw bottles and rocks at the police officers. On the second day, the newspapers seemed to report more on the violent accounts, although still not very thoroughly. And as you can probably guess, they were extremely partial to the police and the officials involved. The biased local news and lack of national media coverage means that Bloody Tuesday has been largely overlooked in the history of the civil rights movement. For me, the important takeaway from this event is how do you make your voice heard when you can't go through the appropriate channels? The Tuscaloosa Citizens for Action Committee tried to get a permit for the march. They made it clear that it was going to be a peaceful demonstration in reaction to essentially what they saw as a breach of promise. But the police denied the request. So the million dollar question here is, what do you do then when you've tried all of the allowed avenues of speaking out and are being blocked at every corner? Do you break the rules? For the civil rights movement, the answer was a resounding yes. But we still have so far to go in regards to equality. And as history has shown time and time again, when every peaceful word or action has been ignored, you have to make your voice heard somehow. So there's one other related event that I wanted to touch on from this week, and that's that on June 13th, 2005, the U.S. Senate issued a formal resolution apologizing for its failure to create anti-lynching legislation. The most well-known anti-lynching bill was probably the dire anti-lynching bill that was first introduced in 1918, which would have established lynching as a federal crime. It wasn't, and we'll get to it. It was consistently introduced to the House until it passed eventually on January 26 of 1922. But its passage was then halted in the Senate by a filibuster by Southern Democrats. And remember, at this time, Republican and Democratic Party values were pretty much reversed from what they are today. So Republicans then tended to be more socially liberal, whereas um, Democrats then were more conservative. Yeah, there's a lot of history that you can go yeah. back through and see exactly when the parties switch stances. Yes, yeah. And uh, this is prior to that. Yes, yeah. So Southern senators opposed the anti-lynching laws and other civil rights legislation on the grounds that blacks were responsible for more crime, more babies born out of wedlock, more welfare, and other forms of social assistance, and that strong measures were needed to keep them under control. And apparently, their solution to those issues was to allow mobs of people to violently assault and even murder black people with absolutely no repercussions. Because that's fun. 
it's despicable, and I have absolutely no words for how horrific the mere thought of that is. Did you know that between 1882 and 1968, quote, nearly 200 anti-lynching bills were introduced in Congress and three passed the House? Seven presidents between 1890 and 1952 asked Congress to pass a federal law against lynching. But not one bill was approved by the Senate because of the powerful opposition from the Southern Democrat Democratic voting bloc. Which brings us to the present, where I think a lot of the world is realizing that, in many ways, we're actually no better than our pre-civil rights ancestors. On June 30th, 2018, three senators, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, and Tim Scott, introduced the Justice for Victims of Lynching Act that would make lynching a federal hate crime. The Senate voted um, unanimously in favor of it on December 19th to 2018, but the House of Representatives took no action. More recently, H.R. 35, the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act, was introduced to the House on January 3rd, 2019, and was approved on a bipartisan vote of 410 to four. I didn't even look up who those four were because I just couldn't. Yep. I couldn't. Yep. So this bill would make lynching a federal hate crime, um, but it had some minor differences from the um, Justice for Victims of Lynching Act that had passed the Senate the previous year. And now we hit literally right now where the bill stalled in the Senate, essentially because Rand Paul doesn't like how the bill defines lynching. I believe it. Yep. And my only response to that is the response that Senator Kamala Harris had. Quote, to suggest that lynching would only be a lynching if someone's heart was pulled out and displayed to someone else is ridiculous. She added, it should not require a maiming or torture for us to recognize a lynching when we see it and recognize it by federal law and call it what it is, which is that it's a crime that should be punishable with accountability and consequence. So I guess we'll see how this all pans out, but I have to admit that with the state of the country right now, I'm not particularly hopeful. Um, But that is the story of Bloody Tuesday and the fact that lynching still isn't a federal hate crime. Which is absurd. Yep. So if any of you out there are as angry as I am, I urge you to contact your senator or any senator and urge them to support the bill. You can also donate to any number of organizations that are actively working to end systematic racism, both locally and nationally. Now's the time to speak up and support those who are fighting to make our country a better place for everyone. And if you are against the protests for any reason, uh, just going to come out and say you're not American. Our country was founded on protest. Our country was founded on violent protest. Boston Tea Party. Yep. And every single major victory for freedoms for people regardless uh like for for women for women of color for men for men of color yep every single freedom that we have was started with a peaceful protest that went unheard for decades that became violent only when the people in power tried to silence those voices once and for all yep if you are against the protests in any way you are not american yeah. And I feel like this is probably one of the very few like hard stances we're going to take. Yep. But this that it is Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> it is to the very core America has been founded on systematic racism and in- inequality and it 
needs to change. Yep. It's unacceptable. And uh, honestly, like I know you just said to contact senators and stuff like that. It doesn't do shit. Get out there. Protest. Protest. Um, donate. Support people. Yep. If you can't go out and protest, like I can't, I will probably die from COVID. So yep. I, I can't. And I've been donating to everything that I can find. <laughs> because that's how I can help. And it's just really telling that the most people who are against this are people who are, you know, thumpers for the Second Amendment. And it's like, okay, so you're so hard about the Constitution, but you're willingly destroying people's rights and ignoring the First Amendment. And recently we just kicked out, um, I, I know there was some state that kicked out a bunch of military because our government decided to call in the military on people yeah. peacefully protesting before we decided to call in the military to assist people with a worldwide pandemic. Yep. Yeah. It's... And they, they've kicked out all of the military out of their state and all these Second Amendment people are saying this is unfair, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's the Third Amendment. We You do not have the right to quarter military. Yep. So if we don't want you there, you don't have to be there. Yep. If you're going to defend the Second Amendment as hard as you do, you need to start defending the rest of the Constitution. And our our like Declaration of Independence also is almost entirely written about overthrowing tyranny. Yeah. This is tyranny. Yeah. Use your Second Amendment to overthrow it. This is why the Second Amendment exists. Yeah. And you're missing your chance. <laughs> so this is going to continue as long as we have topics to continue with. Yep. Um, I haven't decided what my next week is going to be. It's probably either going to be about um, COINTELPRO, which is one of the yeah. founding uh, systemic racism initiatives. Yep. Um, or Juneteenth. Um, I think if I can find enough in information on COINTEL Pro, that's more relevant to what we're talking about now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but both are very good options. Yeah. And we're going to do better to include more people of color in our yeah. show as well. Yes. Because pretty much the we have like the Butterflies in the Atmosphere episode where Kylie does some Dominican women who mm -hmm. were fighting for freedoms. Yep. Um, I did the... Um, the Hella Big Dynamite episode with uh, Henrietta Lacks, who mm -hmm. there's a lot wrong with everything that happened there, yeah. um, but it's a prominent person of color who really shaped our society. Mm -hmm. So we're going to try and do better with that. Yeah. We have to. Yep. Um, not sure we want to call these fun facts. Yeah. But do we, do we have any, any facts? Bonus like short facts? Ones? Yeah, bonus facts. <laughs> um. Sorry, I'm like over here crying. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's awful. It's so, it's so bad. I was like crying the whole time I was researching. Oh, God. Okay. <clears throat> oh, okay. So I have a um, pertinent fun fact, which is not really a fun fact, but it is a pertinent to the previous topic. Yep. Um, little tidbit. <laughs> So June 14th, 1913, the South African government passed the Immigration Act, which restricted the entry and free move movement of Asians. It led to widespread agitation and rioting by res resident Indians, and it was led by Gandhi. Yep. So even Gandhi, like the like the poster child peace. for peaceful protesting, was pushed to agitation and rioting. And things happened because of it. Yes. If, I wish with all my heart that we could listen to people before 
there has to be violence. Yes. But yeah. Human history, not even just American, human history says that people in power do not listen until their power is threatened. Yep. Exactly. This is what our country was founded on. I yep. can't say it enough. Yeah. You should be taking down tyrants, and we have tyrants for many decades in control of our country. Yep. You got a fact? Yeah, on June 12th of 1967, the Supreme Court unanimously ends laws against interracial marriage. Yes. So I wanted to say, like, you know, kind of a good one. But also, 1967. Yep. It was still illegal to marry someone with different skin in 1967. Yep. This is not the past. This is current. Yeah. This is this is not I mean it's history but it's not history like it's there not there are so many history. people who are still alive from 1967. Yep. yep. We're not learning. No. And if you can argue that we are learning at all, we are learning so slow it's almost negligible. <laughs> yeah. So for at a minimum from what we know from history, because anything post zero is like approaching prehistoric in mm-hmm. like very limited information we have of anything before year zero. So it took at least 1,967 years for people to decide it didn't matter what your skin color was. Yeah. Yep. And I know we've gone through fluctuations of some countries cared, some countries didn't for a few years, but like, we, as Americans, we like to put ourselves as like the best for freedom and all of that stuff. And yeah. if the people who are the best at freedom and the best at overthrowing tyranny took until 1967 to not care about the color of someone's skin in this minor way, that's absurd. Yeah. It, yep. At this point, if you are not actively anti-racism you are a racist i that is a hard stance i am taking on that because you are the people who have let things like this take that long yeah if you are not fighting this tyranny you are the oppressor and i think that's just where we're gonna have to cut it today yeah this is not a fun one but it has to happen. Yeah, and like we Things try and we, we have actively tried to stay away from upsetting topics because yep. we want this to be fun for us. Yep. But it is racist for us to ignore that this is happening right. in the world right now. Right. Yeah. Hope to see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.